Welcome back to Solid Steps Radio. This is Chad Russell, Kurt Souter. We are doing a Christmas show, and we're talking about the Holy Spirit and Christmas spirit and the relation between the two. And we've been unpacking the first couple chapters of Luke and how the Holy Spirit has been moving in the heart and, and lives of uh, John the Baptist and a couple other figures. And uh, we, we obviously make a big deal of Jesus during uh, Christmas, as we should. But the Holy Spirit, sometimes we don't realize what he has done and what is doing and what he can do in our life, especially this time of year. You know, I, I think that's true. Um, in general, I think we kind of many, many times forget about the Holy Spirit. And I think that was Fra- Francis Chan's, uh, in his book, Forgotten God, is, mm-hmm. is that the, the third person of the Trinity. But I think it's really interesting that, to see how much the Holy Spirit is working in the Christmas story. And, and back in, in the Bible, in Luke chapter 1, uh, Mary has now been told that she's going to have a baby. Uh, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon her. And in verse 39, Luke chapter 1, verse 39, it says uh, Mary's now going to go visit her relative Elizabeth. It's, it says, at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and she greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you, talking to Mary, among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. And so now we've got, we've got John the Baptist. He is uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. Mary has been, uh, the Holy Spirit's come upon Mary. Zechariah in, in Zechariah 167, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Now Elizabeth, it's mentioned, she is filled with the Spirit. If you go to Luke chapter 2, uh, a guy that we know as Simeon in verse uh, 25. It says, now there was a man in Jerusalem. Now this is now Jesus is already born. Jesus is born, and Mary and Joseph are going to bring uh, Jesus to the temple. Sorry. And uh, he's going to bring him to the, they're going to bring him to the temple, and they're going to dedicate him, and basically uh, they're going to offer a sacrifice. And in verse 25 says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. It's going to mention three times here how the Holy Spirit's working in Simeon's life. He was, the Holy Spirit was upon him. Verse 26, the, the Holy Spirit was revealing to him. And then it says that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And now he's moved by the Spirit in verse 27. He went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. And and it begins to just have this exaltation, this almost uh, spontaneous worship because he is now holding the baby Jesus. But all of this is is he's being led by the Holy Spirit. Let me me ask you a question. It says there in verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's uh, seen the Lord Christ. Does that mean he heard an audible voice? Does that mean he was in this time of prayer? Did he have this revelation? I, when I read that verse, I'm like, you know what? I, I want the Holy Spirit to reveal things to me. How does that look practically? Can we be revealed 
Can the Holy Spirit reveal things to us? I think, I think many times the Holy Spirit is whispering. Um, and, and many times it's, it's not an audible voice. I've never, ever heard an audible voice from the Holy Spirit. Um, some people, I think, have. But I think it's, um, um, uh, he speaks to our heart. He speaks to our soul. And many times we are so busy, we are so preoccupied with life, we have so many distractions um, that we, we miss the voice of the Holy Spirit. And we don't have our ear to the ground listening. Yes. We, I think we expect sometimes while I'm driving down the road that I'm going to be interrupted, which that can happen. But if I don't take the time to listen, Simeon had his ear to the ground. Oh, say, my goodness. Right? Yes. He was listening for God. Yes. And then when it said he was moved by the Holy Spirit... Uh, like, again, revealing and moving. I don't know the Aramaic or the Hebrew of it was the different. But the truth of the matter is when he was moved to go, he just had this, I was just a sense of urgency. Kind of like when I hopped out of the car, there was a, and I'm not trying to compare myself, but it was just one of those things where the Holy Spirit moves you so much, you've got to do something. Yeah, right? you know, yeah and I think the Holy Spirit many times, I think he uses four primary ways to speak to us. I think the primary way he speaks to us today is through the scriptures, through the Bible. Mm -hmm. um, this is the, God's, all scripture is God breathed, and it's inspired by God. But I also, I think uh, it's, it's also in an in attitude when we're praying. The Holy Spirit, while we are praying, the Holy Spirit is whispering to us, speaking to us. I think he also speaks to us through circumstances, you know, just as we're going through life. You, if you don't get rear-ended by that guy right. that you sh shared in the first segment, um, that circumstance was a perfect scenario for the Holy Spirit to whisper to you and to, to, to uh, you know, uh, move you. Move you, right. yeah. <clears throat> and uh, so I think the Holy Spirit, many times it's, it's through the scriptures, it's through prayer, it's through circumstances. And I think the Holy Spirit also many times uses the body of Christ, godly people. The Bible says uh, over and over again, there's wisdom with a multitude of counselors. When, when God-fearing people who are walking in the Holy Spirit speak to each other as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another, I think that many times the Holy Spirit is using us to minister to each other and speak to us. Now, I don't think it's just limited to those four, but uh, I think Simeon, like as you said, had his ear to the ground. He was in tune with the Holy Spirit, and he knew that, that he was not going to die until he saw and held the Messiah. Right. And uh, so I think the, uh, the, uh, the next person here is Anna. And she was known as a prophetess in chapter 2, verse 36. It says there was also a prophetess. Her name was Anna. She was the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then she was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. And she, she comes up to them at that very moment. She gave thanks to God, spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. And uh, it doesn't say specifically in the NIV that the Holy Spirit was upon her, but uh, it's it just uh, fascinating how the Holy Spirit on all these folks, mm -hmm. uh, so the six people we just mentioned, uh, John the Baptist, Zechariah, Elizabeth, Simeon, Anna, and uh, I think that's all of them. Right. Of course, uh, so we got a guest today, uh, John Martinez, and something happened at your uh, Christmas a year ago. Now, you are a, uh, a minister and a uh, 
servant of the Lord in the DR, the Dominican Republic, and in Haiti. So welcome Correct. to the show, John. Thanks. Thanks, Kurt. It's uh, great to have you. Tell us, um, you, you had an experience a year ago where the Holy Spirit was, was prompting and moving in a situation. Tell us about it. Yeah. Uh, last year, well, a number of years ago, I, in the middle of the summer, was in an area called Bate Nueve, which is, it's a little shanty town in the middle of miles and miles of sugarcane. And uh, God moved me to, at that moment, think about Christmas for the kids in this area who've got nothing. It's right on the Haitian border, poverty, sugarcane workers, and that's about it. They don't make anything in a year. And so a number of years ago, I started bringing apples, which is a traditional Dominican Christmas gift, uh, along with grapes, to the kids in this bate. So this is a number of years ago, but last year, there I am buying the apples, and a kid walks up to me. Now, this, isn't, this happened in Santo Domingo. I was buying the apples in Santo Domingo, which is a city, six million people. And the kid said, John Martinez. And I'm like, who is this? And it was a kid <laughs> who was actually from the Bates, and he said, what are you doing here? I said, I'm buying apples to go to the Bates, and I recognized the kid, and he said, thank you so much because because of those apples and grapes, I started coming to the church. I got invited by the pastor who knew you were coming with the apples. He invited me to the church, and I'm a Christian now. So I'm like, whoa. You know, that was God talking to me. In the middle of the summer, I'm not thinking about Christmas. Who thinks about Christmas? But just like what happened to Chad, it was just like the Holy Spirit said, you're going to do something in Christmas. And that led to this kid coming to his him coming to faith yeah you know I, you know what I, I think about in christmas you know we give gifts uh, you know some you know some people are really more into gifts than others but yeah. when you're giving this you know the gift of an some apples yep and some grapes That's it. and god uses that gift to change this kid's life uh, that's, a, that's a powerful thing. There's something about giving a gift. You mentioned about even the Proverbs. Is that there's something about the power in giving gifts. Yeah, in Proverbs uh, chapter uh, 21 talks about you know, the power of gift giving. Um, a, a gift given in secret, the Bible says, uh, ushers you into the presence of the king. Uh, it, it squelches anger. There's something about gift giving. Mm -hmm. And in the spirit of Christmas, we, you know, we give gifts to our friends and our loved ones. But in that context, you know, down in the DR, you were giving it just, just to the kids of the community, yeah. and God used that. And I, th I often think many times gifts that if we would just be generous to even almost strangers, our, our neighbors, folks who don't know the Lord, how God would use that, the Holy Spirit would use that to see their hearts soften to the gospel message. Absolutely, and it's loving your neighbor. And what a great way to open that door by giving a gift, to, to share the gospel, to be able to just share the love of Christ through that. It could be a simple gift like an apple. That's awesome. So we're gonna take a break and uh, we're gonna come back shortly for one more segment here, a couple more stories about how the Holy Spirit moves during Christmas and what the true meaning of that Christmas spirit is. So we're gonna be back and take a break here on Solid Steps Radio. All right, 
Thank you very much. Welcome back to Solid Steps Radio, our fourth and final segment. We are talking Christmas today. We're talking the Christmas spirit and really the Holy Spirit moving in, in during Christmas time. We've had a couple had a couple stories. I shared one. I had a uh, missionary from the Dominican Republic who shared a story of of how work at Christmas time led to uh, some some pretty cool work that the Holy Spirit did. And we have another. Dominican Republic gentleman representing us today. Uh, Chad, we've got Isaiah. We also call him IG, but uh, uh, Isaiah, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. Good morning to everybody. <laughs> uh, it's great to have you. And uh, Isaiah, you have a story about how the Holy Spirit used you in, in, in a scenario around Christmas time um, in the connection of the Holy Spirit and Christmas. Tell us that story. Uh, back in our church in Santiago, uh, we have a few gentlemen that have uh, a prison ministry. So one time they approach me and some other guys and they say, hey, would you guys like to go play some softball um, at the prison? And we were like, sure, you know. Uh, and then one time we went and, and did like a, like a concert at the prison. And when we were there, we were, we were able to uh, sing a few songs with them, uh, play some uh, s uh, softball games, and then towards the end, uh, we shared the gospel with them. Well, that day, I remember we had about seven inmates that uh, wanted to give their lives to, to the Lord. We, we prayed for them and, you know, did the follow-up with them. Um, six months later, I don't remember if it was six months, a year later, uh, and on Facebook, like you say earlier, you know, I'm chatting on Facebook, and I received this random message uh, from somebody that I didn't recognize, somebody that I don't know. And this guy tells me, uh, hey, man, I know you don't remember me, um, but you guys went to prison like, like a year ago, and I was there. Um, that day I was safe. I, I started going to church in prison after that day, and I was released two months ago, and now I'm connected to a local church in my community. I just wanted to say thank you. I remember when he said that to me, man. It was like, you know, sometimes you kind of like question what you're doing, whether a softball game uh, is, is worth, you know, like, like your time with your, with your family during Christmas time in prison. And they were like, man, we have people, we have, we have family members that don't visit us. And you guys came without knowing us to come share the gospel uh, and sing songs with us. So I just wanted to say thank you. That day when he said that, man, I was like, I froze for like two minutes <laughs> just thinking about it. And it was one of those moments that I, I say, thank you, God, for showing me that fruit. Because sometimes we do things and we never see the fruit. Like, like you guys say, you know, that guy in the, in the street, you know, you never heard about him. Uh, I don't know if that guy's still in church, but I know, you know, God did something to his life that day. God used you in the heart of Christmas time through the power of the Holy Spirit, through a game of softball, and through a testimony and through singing. I, I just think that's awesome. Uh, thank you, brother, for sharing that. Thank you for that story. And uh, we're just really, really grateful. Thank you. You know, 
I think it's interesting when there's, sometimes there's a time gap in between, right? Like the Holy Spirit was moving before Jesus was coming in people's lives months before, right? Six months before, eight months before, and you see some gaps in there. And in the past couple stories we've heard, we've heard someone said in summertime, something happened that led to something that happened around Christmas. And then the gentleman we just heard, uh, IG said the same thing. He said, you know, something happened at Christmas time and then months later after the fact. So we're going to hear another story here about something that happened and you see some of that same pattern months before that led to something around Christmas time. So Greg, uh, welcome to the show. Glad you're here, man. Thank you. Glad to be here. Uh, Greg, you, you got a story uh, at, uh, a few years ago, was it? Uh, yes, uh, more than a few years ago, uh, between 2004 and 2006. Okay, so, and uh, tell us that story around Christmas time. It was a family situation. Tell us about that. Well, uh, you really have to kind of unpackage this in a way that, uh, you know, I'm 52 years old. I remember probably 46 or 47 of my Christmases. This one absolutely had to be one of the best Christmases for me and my family. So you go back and you kind of unpackage it a little bit. My sister, who did not grow up with us, um, lived uh, in Middlesbrough, Kentucky, and um, she was raised by her grandmother on her father's side. So we spent very little time together. Well, you extrapolate that, go forward a little bit. She's 36 years old, she has four kids. And the thing that was really interesting to me is that we didn't spend a lot of time together. If I had to pick these kids out of a lineup, I would not have been able to do it. These are her kids. These are her kids. Um, And so 2004, me and my wife going to Myrtle Beach on a family vacation, our two boys, the Holy Spirit, and I have no idea where this came from, we're driving, we're in Richmond, Kentucky, going down. She lives out, outside of Corbin. And uh, I look over to my wife, and I said, hey, why don't we pick up Renee's kids and take them on vacation with us? Why she said yes, I have no idea. Your, but, wife, your wife. My wife, yes. So we pick up, we, I call her ahead. We had spent very little, no time with these kids at all. Um, call her and say, hey, why don't you pick you know, we're going to meet us at the exit. We're going to take them to Myrtle Beach with us. There's four kids. We're only going to take the three oldest ones. <laughs> Deshaun was a little young for us to take. But for my wife to take on that added responsibility, this is our family vacation. So I was just kind of moved by that. So you move forward, and this is the, 4th of, the week of 4th of July. So we got a chance to spend a little bit of time with them. Um, and then just as a result of just building some relationships over that short period of time, um, I get a phone call uh, December the 18th, 2005, and it's my sister, uh, just out of the blue. And she doesn't call for a whole lot, but she's very slow to respond. I say, hey, what's going on? And uh, almost um, very emotional. And she basically says, I, it's five days before Christmas. Uh, I have absolutely nothing for the kids. Um, the car broke down, every single imaginable thing that could possibly happen. Um, and so I said, what do you need? She said, I, I don't know what to do. So um, I let my wife know. We respond as quickly as we could. She worked for Wendy's. And um, we, we basically said, hey, look, we'll come and pick up the kids. She had to work on Christmas Eve. Um, and uh, we rented a car for her. So, hey, when you get off of work, uh, we'll have a rental car for you. You can drive up and spend Christmas with us. So my wife drives down, picks the kids up on the 20th or the 21st, brings them back. We go, she takes them shopping and does some things with them. Um, 
My sister drives up. We have the best time. We, we buy some gifts for them. We let them go shopping for her. Uh, so this is mm. uh, Christmas 2005. What's amazing to me is that that was my sister's last Christmas. Um, 36 years old, um, and um, January the 30th of 2006, she has a stroke and passes away. Uh, the father of these kids, uh, we had taglined it. He was on vacation. He was, had spent no time with these kids, and um, he, was, he was away in prison. And um, there was no one to take these kids in. Um, obviously, we own that responsibility. But what was amazing to me and how God worked through that whole process mm. and through the Holy Spirit is that placing that seed on that road to Myrtle Beach a, a year and a half late earlier for us to build a relationship with them, knowing that these kids were, their mom was going to be taken away from them, to have to go with Uncle Greg and Aunt Marcia, who's someone that, that they had never spent any time with. Mm. We had an opportunity to build a relationship with them. But that was the, by far the best Christmas we ever had. Um, and um, it, it's, it touches me to, to no end to just trying to imagine what life would have been like for those kids just have to pick up and go to live with a stranger. Um, those kids are, are doing amazingly well now. Uh, they have families of their own. They're married and uh, went to college. And my sister would have been so proud of, uh, of these kids. So uh, if I have to sit and, and think back to my greatest memory around Christmas uh, would have to be the time I spent with her because that was her very last one. Wow, Greg, that is a, that's a great story. And, you know, when I think about how the Holy Spirit was whispering in your heart, in your ear, uh, for you and your wife to follow that leading and to obey. Uh, that, I mean, that, that is the whole spirit of Christmas. Thanks for sharing that, Greg. Really, uh, really appreciate that. And, um, you know, we, we, uh, we got to wrap this baby up. But, uh, you know, when I, Chad, when I think about the Holy Spirit, I think the challenge to all of us listeners is when you hear his voice, we need to respond like Mary did. S respond like Greg did. Yes, Lord. May it be done unto me as you have said. I, I am your servant. Um, golly, we got to go, but uh, let, me, let me close in prayer. And uh, what an what a incredible concept, the Holy Spirit at Christmas. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you that you, the Holy Spirit, you work and you move in our lives. Thank you for how you worked in Zachariah's life and Mary's life and Elizabeth's life and John the Baptist and Anna and Simeon and ultimately the Lord Jesus. And uh, we're, just, we're just so grateful. Help us to be a people who listen to your voice and to follow and to obey. We pray in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we want to thank you for listening to Solid Steps Radio. Again, if you want to hear this show in its entirety, you're just picking it up at the end. Uh, you can go to Facebook, you can go to SoundCloud, or you can go to iTunes, and you just type in Solid Steps Radio, and you'll see Kurt and I's picture come up. You can click on that, subscribe to it, follow us, and maybe forward this on to somebody who you know can be encouraged, a man in your life. So again, as we wrap up this Christmas show, we want to thank you for listening, and uh, hope to hear you soon in the new year. So thank you for listening to Solid Steps Radio. Solid Steps Radio.